This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Welcome to the Rejuvenated Woman podcast. Each episode, I hope to bring you open, fun, raw and inspiring conversations that aim to empower you on what it is to be a rejuvenated woman moving into and through your midlife years. Brought to you in partnership with Rejuvenate Pilates, I'm your host, Kathy Carr, holistic nutrition, lifestyle and movement coach and founder of Kathy Carr Coaching. Grab your favourite bevy, put your feet up and tune into what I hope will shed some light on topics around your overall health and well-being. Hello and welcome to the Rejuvenated Woman podcast. This week's episode, I have a man that I've known for about 24 years, 25 years. He is a Czech practitioner, a level four Czech practitioner, that's C-H-E-K, and Czech faculty member. He has been working in the fitness and health industry for well over 30 years. He has held the position of a fitness first personal training development manager where he trained the personal trainers throughout Australia. He's an international presenter and he's also my husband. Welcome, Donal Carr. Thank you, Kathy Carr. (laughs) I'm really happy to have you on the Rejuvenated Woman podcast. I know I'm interviewing most women, but I think that you have so much to share and what we see with clients coming in with the pain and the management they're, they're experiencing or what they need to do. So first, I would like you to let our listener know what is a Czech practitioner and why is your practice and the way that you work with people different to the likes of a personal trainer, a strength coach, a group fitness trainer, osteo, physio, well, I suppose the joke is, you know, only Czech practitioners know what Czech practitioners are. So, I mean, like it's it's very small field, but it, they're basically people that work on the corrective field, and we look at all aspects of that. Generally, people come into the Czech field when they've already done fitness or some other qualification, exercise physiology or sports science, and they've already been working in the industry, and they're looking for a system that helps them to approach some of the more complicated clients. So that's where... I got into the Czech program and it's obviously evolved um, and when I was a student it um, took on another couple of steps and Paul and the faculty have changed that and we broadened our um, student base and went more international. Um, what I do differently, um, I am a qualified personal trainer, gym instructor, all the things you said, and strength and conditioning coach, but what I do is also, that's what's different, is look at the bigger approach and put all those aspects or those fields together and not just be biased to one like this is where we do it because I'm a physio or this is the way I do it because I'm a chiro. So we work with those professions in, in, in rehab and in the holistic field. It's putting those aspects of maybe the nutrition, the gut health, the visceral somatic stuff, the nerve um, crossovers, or we work on the mental, emotional, the psychological aspects, the programming, um, or we start to work with the physical aspects of rehab exercises. A lot of physios, chiros and osteos don't spend a lot of time on rehab rehabilitation exercises. They learn different techniques to reposition joints and then there's a stopgap between the client getting fully out of pain and fully fully back to normal activities, hobbies and so on. So there's usually a period where they have to do some kind of rehab and that's where we step into that market gap where we're the specialists in that field. So my point of difference is I go to nutrition, 
mental, emotional, um, all aspects of, you know, your ergonomics, how you sleep, how you work, your driving setup. There's a lot more aspects to what I do. Um, I work with clients that are the challenges for other industries sometimes. I get referred to a lot of people that have tried stuff for two, three, four years, and someone needs to look at some different aspects or put some of the different um, areas together. So that's probably the difference. Mm-hmm. And what do you think would be the most common complaint well, injury, pain, discomfort, whatever's out of alignment, would be the number one complaint when someone comes to you? Oh, well, generally in the world, back pain is probably the number one ailment that causes pain in people. But um, people come to me, most definitely back pain, disc problems, neck problems, um, consistent shoulder reoperations or hip um a constant re-injuring and um, multiple surgeries that haven't worked or um, they don't want to do the surgery route. They've tried some other things. They tried the physios, the chiros, other PTs didn't work, but nobody addressed their nutrition with that or the proper release technique or working with the proper um, professional at the right time. So I, I give analogies like building a house. You know, you, you don't bring in the carpenter if you don't have the have, have the walls up or the foundations up. You know, you don't bring in the um, plumber or the glazer to put in the windows if there's no space for the windows. So there's a time and a place for those specific tradespeople to be on job. So you have to kind of like project manage sometimes the approach. Um, so that's where a lot of, I think there's a, a big difference in pain in the back, hip joints, isosis, osises, um, a lot of referrals from gut inflammation and then I work with probably about 60 to 70% female. So those clients, mostly hormonal imbalances, irregular menstrual cycles, um, complications with, with birth, um, postnatal um, complications, restoring pelvic floor or lower back, um, complicated issues that arise from that, um, chronic fatigue issues, a lot of burnout over the last two, three years, uh, a lot of chronic kind of what we call adrenal fatigue or burnout in the endocrine system, which comes at chronic different ailments that um, can be inflammatory, isosis, osises. Um, so yeah, disruption in the gut, per health lifestyle, per stability programming, per understanding of movement and what we call balancing at the six foundation principles. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the common one. It's back pain, I suppose, but I work with everybody. So you're, you're bridging the gap. So you mentioned... <clears throat> If someone goes to a practitioner, they get the rehab and then they possibly re-injure themselves and they have to maybe have surgery again because you ha- they haven't been in that space where you come into point where you bridge that gap, giving the stability yeah. and the other things to get things back into function. Yeah, and it's not just the exercise program. So there is a time there, that window that you mentioned that you know the person has been kind of given their initial treatment and inflammation has gone down and now they've been given a sheet or some exercises to go off and kind of bring that joint muscle back up to speed but they do or don't do it properly or they don't have a helping hand or someone else has not given them some advice on their sleep their water and the type of nutrition that's going to be the building blocks that the body needs to repair that tissue so whether if it's a joint injury a ligament injury a muscle injury um, if there's inflammatory processes, if you're balancing out the hormones, they all have different protocols and different requirements. It's like, again, a building analogy. You need certain materials to do certain things. So you don't put, um, where you need an iron 
beam, you don't put a wooden beam. You know, you need something that's strong enough. So the body's looking for collagen versus, you know, a carbohydrate. It needs a building block rather than something like that's a fuel. So we have to kind of balance that with their sleep, their water, and those other factors um, can make or break their rehab program. So even if they got a great rehab program from great physios and osteos and everybody else that's out there, they also need to know, am I applying it at the right time with the right support package? And then is there other things during the day that's undermining that? Like the way I sit, the way I drive my car, is there exercise I've been doing in the past for a sport or an activity? Or am I getting back into my surfing or my golf or my tennis too early? Um, not realizing the type of physiology or the length of time a tissue needs to heal for ligaments and tendons and muscle or joints they're a very different timeline so someone like myself can then manage that process or a check practitioner that's a high level can manage that process depending on the injury depending on the client because not all are equal in any profession there's there's a level of you know experience and qualification and application and wisdom Mm. I've witnessed many people that have come to you that have gone to other sources, have even had surgery, and this doesn't mean that it's for everyone or it's happened to everyone, and it's definitely no disrespect for other you know, practitioners, but I've witnessed that they have come to you, they've tr- tried everything. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had a um, back injury and the surgeon also told me, that surgery was the only way and that um, he actually couldn't guarantee that it was going to be corrective. Um, and I'm witness, I can vouch that, you know, I'm so I might be a bit biased, but you got me back to walking and training. When I was on my back, I couldn't walk for like eight weeks. I was had to lie on the floor on my back. And it is the raw materials. And I think just listening to you there, if someone's listening to you, it might sound, wow, that's a lot of work. But as you said, these are the foundations that are going to create a strong structure so you can do those things without injuring yourself. If you leave them out, then you're most likely to go down that path again. Let's talk a little bit about back pain because you said a lot of people come to you for back pain and I know that you've said that there is a certain percentage of people walking around with an undiagnosed disc bulge what would be the symptom of someone? I know there's de- so many different symptoms of back pain. Um, can you give us a little bit of explanation about that? And what is most common in women between the ages of, say, 35, 40 to 60, 55? I don't remember the exact stats, but I can tell you what I do remember from <clears throat> the World Congress of Back Pain. Um, they say 9 in 10 people experience back pain at some stage in their life. Um, <clears throat> females are about six times more likely to experience more SI joint, which is the kind of foundation of where the, the back sits. And L5, S1, that first junction is the most prevalent area for females to get degenerative disc injuries and disc bulges and ligament strains. Um, and it's correlated heavily to estrogen progesterone imbalances because most of the ligaments around there have estrogen receptors so if that's off they become looser and that creates too much play or instability which allows then the bone the joint to compress a nerve or cause damage in the disc um what else did you ask me what sort of presentations would pain be so mostly with those type of injuries the most common injury let's say for female is the l5s1 so the l5s1 nerve runs down the outside the leg which is sometimes commonly mistaken as the sciatica 
its uh, SI joint if it goes down the back, but it can inflame the whole area. So there's ways to test to see which nerve it is. So you can do a dermatome test, you can do a muscle function test, we can do pinwheel tests, we can do um, skin stroke tests as well. So once we identify what what branch dermatome the skin responds to the nerve that comes out from the spine we can then either go look at the mri we could do some manual um, testing to see if there's palpitation but these days we just look at the mri or the x-ray and then design a, a a protocol because if a disc or a spine has an injury to the left it's a different protocol than if it's to the right if it's a bigger disc on one side or if it's on the opposite side so if it's protruding more it's a 3d shape so it's not like cylindrical all the time so it can have like um deformities as such so yours was 13 by 10 by something else um, mm-hmm. um and that creates a different shape it's not a perfect shape shape so therefore if i have to do some lateral gliding bring in the central mass of the disc back to the center and then do normal extension to re-centralize the disc and if it's the wrong side it's the wrong way i could push the disc out the wrong way so it's a different protocol and and then we also know when we have the muscle testing there's a response that controls movement in the body okay so that's the nerve going out to to feed the muscles and then there's a sensory nerve coming back in to feel what we're doing so we can tell by the feeling or inactivity of activation which nerve so therefore we have to tell if the compressions on the back of the, the spine or the front of the spine and that again changed the protocol for exercise so those type of nuances in corrective exercises is not really taught in the other fields um, because that's not what they do. They don't work in that specialized rehab. Um, and then as a strength conditioning coach, I learn how to strength train. And as a personal trainer, I learn how to um, personal train. And then as a gym instructor, I learn how to do classes and so on. So you can bring a person through the full field of exercise just People don't have to be athletes to work with me just because I'm a strength conditioning coach. Um, and then also I work with high-end clients, low-end clients, people are just in pain, people that need to you know, sell their car to work with me, or the people that you know, just travel from you know, international flight to get this job done. But it's, it's mostly because we're looking at a more broader picture and then work from there with all the different variables we have. Mm, and on the other scale, you work, you've you worked with incredible athletes, Olympic athletes, mm-hmm. you know, and the female, you know, skiers, tennis players, mm-hmm. Olympic walker, yeah. you know, the so whole scale. Coming back to the kind of the pain, Sorry. the pain stuff, I guess yeah. I went off there in a little bit, but when you look at the pain, it kind of, it can radiate out or mm-hmm. it can be localized. When people can put an area, an aspect to it, we know that it's not that severe yet, but when it diffuses out or travels up or refers out, the pattern's been there for a while so there's Fluger's laws of neurological innovation and how the the nervous system works and um, what stages of pain and where the body is at so we will use that to kind of identify the stage of 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 pain that's been in the body for how long and what pattern the body's in Um, so that dictates the different response Um, sometimes there's um, a pain that we call like a zinger or an electrical shock or a nerve compression um, and that's a, a different type of pain versus mm. a hard, hard kind of throbbing pain or a poker deep pain. And that's usually with a impingement in the spine and spinal cord is stenosis. Um, so, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to go through them all. There's quite I a know. few. There's Cause... quite a few, but it's it's generally going to be, is it localized? Can you identify area, aspect, redness, heat? You know, we might go through some other kind of um, 
what are the palliative things, uh, what are the things that, like, what time it comes on, that can tell us whether it's dehydrated, <coughs> sorry, or maybe the electrolytes in the cell is worn out, there's not osmosis happening, they don't have proper minerals coming in, there's a whole bunch of stuff. So. It's a comprehensive, multidisciplinary d- approach that you yeah, well, take. It's, yeah, it's, it's basic physiology that's wrapped in and all that as well, though, so, yeah. So I hear a lot of conversations about when we're in pain, what's the best treatment for it? Now, I know you've given us the the comprehensive and I'm totally on board with that, but there's a lot of this for that, you know. Um, cortisone. Let's let's talk about cortisol. Cortisone, rather. Cortisone injections. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is, when you're in pain, when you're in a lot of pain, you just, it ruins, it kind of, it can destroy your life. It can kind of take over your world. And we want a quick fix. We want to get out of pain really quickly. So what's your thoughts on that? Do your homework. Be an adult. Um, get the information. Put it on the table. Look at the pros and cons. Um, the information about cortisone injections changed about 2014 in the industry. So we were using cortisone as the number one root kind of wonder. Uh, jab that joint. It'll bring an inflammatory process down. Um They've stopped using it on the bigger joints. Um, I've heard numerous professors talk about how it doesn't have the same effect on the bigger joints. They're still using it on small fingers and toes and stuff like that, but they're not using it on some of the bigger joints. And you have to look a bit more internationally abroad and see what's happening in the world worldwide, not just what's happening here in Australia. So um, I know Sydney University, that was way back 2014, one of their professors was talking about how they've changed because the research was showing that, you know, Panadol was just doing the same pain relief uh, for back, but they were still using it for smaller joints. Um, I've also had the experience of working with athletes where professional soccer players have been told to do a third or fourth um, injection and they got a second opinion from a sports doctor and they were told not to do it because it would damage the joint. You can't take cortisone into the same area for too long because it's a corrosive mechanism that breaks down scar tissue but also has an effect that can cause some collateral damage. So they don't like to use it constantly. And it doesn't work for everybody. You'll see that the response is, it's a, it's a great response sometimes because it does have an effect. It's a tool. It's a, it's a great tool. Um, but it just needs to be administered the right way and for the right thing. So as I said, do your homework. If we were having this conversation in 2010, I'd say, yep, yeah, go for it. It's a bit of a 60-40 kind of mix. About 60% people get a response, about 40% don't, um, you know, if you don't rehydrate the, the joint, if you don't reposition the joint, just trying to take away the pain mechanism. I mean, if, if, you're, if your junction box at home trips and you keep on hitting the switch and it keeps on tripping, well, something's tripping it. You know, you can stand there all day flicking the switch up and down. Right. You've got to find out what's tripping the switch. So you mm-hmm. can inject, inject, inject. That's good because you're taking away the initial pain. But now what caused the pain? And that's just going to happen again if we don't change things. So it can be that great opportunity to give you a pain-free window to do the right rehab and now start your program. But just because it's out of sight, it's not out of mind kind of thing, and it can come back. Because you're never you're not treating the cause, you're treating the symptom. So and That's what we're all about, right? Well, we, we talk about not doing the symptom. Treating right? yeah. the cause, getting to the root. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so moving on a little bit, still around pain and again around women, I have found over the years and also with clients and I've seen clients coming to you, women, there's a kind of saying that you, once you are 40, 40 fat female and shoulder issues, 
like frozen shoulder. That's what it was. The four Fs: forty fat female frozen shoulder. Oh yeah. And I was like, that's not my truth and that's not the truth. But there are a lot of women that tend to have these shoulder issues in this age group. Yep. So can you please elaborate a little bit more? Okay. Well, it's, it's um, when you look at the human body, um, this is, you know, being out there for years, the female body has a little bit less muscle mass around it. It also has um, uh a different hormonal profile. So the testosterone levels are different. And when the testosterone levels and the hormonal systems start to slow down, you start to emaciate or lose muscle mass. So that means structural support has been challenged. And as you go on, if you're if you're not doing some proper resistance training or weight training or postural training, you're going to lose those tonic muscles and postural muscles that are holding you in place. So it's the bow that eventually breaks. And then there's a compounded problem of, you know, um, the hormonal imbalances, the stress on life, and then you know not having the right collagen, water, um, hormones. So the frozen shoulder has a direct link to the endocrine system, the endocrine system being the glands. And we know that the thyroid and the shoulders are linked to when the adrenals get overburned and burnt out. So if you've got a young mum, a busy mum at home, three, two kids, whatever, um, running a business, whatever, and they don't know how to balance their life, they'll burn themselves out sometimes. And the manifestation of that is the endocrine system, the adrenaline, the adrenaline goes up or cortisol goes up, the thyroid kind of speeds up, and then that emaciates or burns off. So the structures burn off faster. So now you've got a stress response in the body, and when that happens, the body doesn't go through growth repair, digestion, sex hormones don't get produced. So if you stay in that stressed, burned-out state, your body can't rejuvenate itself. So now the body's not delivering the, the, the food, the nutrition, because it keeps on running the organs as the priority. So i keep, yeah. got to keep on running away from the line, the stress response. Yeah. So we don't have time to respond and, and sit down and kind of look at that. So what we start to see in the body is that they build a lot of tension through the neck and the upper traps um, get tight and restricted, which then brings in the levitator scap, which compresses the subocciput, drives the shoulder forward or the head forward, the rib cage drops, the shoulder blades call forward, compresses between the clavicle and the first rib, which is the brachial plexus, which is the nerves that come out through the arm. So that will then, the stabilization system, because of age, you're losing muscle mass if you're not training properly. Hormonally, you've got that. Um, challenge as the system starts to wind down to, to menopause if they've had a really stressed life they could have early onset and then that starts to emaciate that and then the complicated issue if they do have a stressful busy life and not know how to look after themselves and put themselves first um, and then they start to get that what we call visosomatic reflex then the um, the nervous system will dump the limbic load to the upper traps, which compresses and causes mechanical problems, which then impinges the shoulder, which is the frozen shoulder. So it doesn't look like it's a it's an easy fix, um, but it's a it's a lifestyle change. And then you can strengthen those muscles that have been switched off and develop them back again. But you can't do it if you stay with the same lifestyle. Always. Because that causes, causes more problems. So mm. sometimes with the frozen shoulder, if, if you do the mechanical stuff, but you don't do the other stuff then it's just the exercise stuff. I say it's just wiping up the milk. Who spilled the milk? Why did the milk spill? You know? Love that analogy. And that's 
I guess that's the beauty about what you do is that you do it's the physical, emotional, mental and spiritual being that you are coaching and working with. Are you tired, exhausted, have no energy? Do you struggle with sleep, hot flushes, night sweats? Do you have inflammation, weight gain, aches and pains, or muscle soreness or joint stiffness? Do you get brain fog? mood swings, anxiety, sadness or even depression? Have you lost your motivation, your sense of self, your libido, maybe other symptoms that are common but not normal as a woman in midlife? The How to Get Your Mojo Back for Women in Midlife, Six Steps to Creating a Confident, Strong, Vibrant and Healthy Female Body will give you the foundations you need to live a happy, healthy life as a woman in midlife. Check the show notes on where to inquire or register for the Mojo in Midlife program today. Okay, so it's very common what I see and in conversations and of course when you scroll through those groups on social media, which I belong to because I want to empower women, that's I feel my purpose. So I see and I read a lot and I hear about a this for that approach. They have something going on and someone right, I'll oh, just take some essential oils or, you know, acupuncture or and maybe they're not of an understanding of the work that needs to be done. It might be a lot of hard work, but it's simple, isn't it? Simple basic foundations. Can you go on a little bit more about quick fixes? I mean we talked about cortisol. That's kind of a cortisone yeah. rather. I mean, the classic line I use, and you hear me use it all the time, and how's that working for you? <laughs> so why are you sitting in front of me if you're coming to me for pain? So, yep. I, I mean, and that, you know, I don't say that to shock people, but it's really just a kind of like, okay, right. maybe what we're doing needs a change of approach. Maybe we need to be more lateral. Maybe this isn't as easy as it sounds at this for that. Maybe this is a lot more complicated. Um, it's, as I said, you know, it's like someone saying, I want to be a millionaire. Well, there's many ways to do that. What are your resources and what are your skill sets and what are you good at? What are you bad at? You know, you have to look at a broader picture. And when it comes to menopause, we are looking at a quite complicated system to understand thyroid, thyroid stimulating hormones, TSH levels, T3, T4, free and bound. And then there's uh, 21, 22 T hormones. So people only look for T2 or T3 or T4, but you can look for T7, T8, 13, 14, 15, 16. And if they're all imbalanced, you're looking at a very complex soup of chemicals. It's not just if your TSH numbers are high. And then if you do a bit of research in your TSH numbers, I mean, we can't agree on this stuff yet. Around the world, Europe has a different number to America to hear the um, medical boards um, give the numbers anywhere from point uh, 0.4 or 0.5 to 1.5 or to 5. And that's a huge range to bring in your TSH numbers. And if they don't see an, a, a negative response there, they don't, most of the time don't even investigate whether T3 or T4 is happening or whether it's the proper conversion. So again, it's a bit like taking bloods and you only took the total triglyceride number or total cholesterols and not look at the LDL and HDL ratios. Um, and that's the number we've been using for a lot longer now than we used to look at the total number way back in the 80s. Um, but we've learned more. And it's the same with, you know, a this for that approach for a hormonal imbalance. Or, uh, and you might get a response, but it's not the real long-term why it's happened. It is as simple as living life um, healthy, 
to do that. That's very complicated out there, and there's many different ways to do it. Um, people really need to have a broader approach and say, well, I need to be breathing right. I need to be thinking right. I need to have good water. I need to have good movement. I need to have good nutrition, and I got to get my sleep. They're kind of things that are non-negotiable for me. And that's what I was referring to as kind of basic foundations, right? And that only allows you to get on the field to play and play the game. That's like just turning up with your football boots to the game. Sometimes that's just enough for us. But that's <laughs> yeah. But now we're only starting. You know, we haven't done anything now. Now you've got to do the, the work to re, redo all the stuff that hasn't worked. Sure. And, and it is very complicated. And it, it's sometimes you might get a, a small response from changing water because you were dehydrated in the first place or eating better fats or having some type of herb or nutrition that causes a, a catalyst response in the body that allows the liver or the kidneys to process some of the stress responses in the endocrine system, getting a good massage, hot and cold therapies. I mean, there's many ways to rebalance and reduce pain. But again, they're palliative responses. I can rub your knee and They're make in support of, yeah? It's no, like supplements it's, or For things. me, it's, it's like the kids with the comfort blanket and the soother. They yeah. feel good, but it's yeah. not doing really... I okay. mean, it's just rubbing the spot, mm-hmm. but the knee could be caused... You know, it, so when I look at the balance approach of a long-term strategy, they're looking for the short-term fixes rather than doing the long-term. And it doesn't have to be hard. It's very hard to climb Everest if you don't have a guide, but it's much easier if you've got a guide but you have to understand you're going to climb the mountain. I'm not, going to climb, I'm not going to carry you up Everest and your bags and everything else. And you've got to do some training before you turn up for that event. 100%. So you've got to get some basic things in order. And, and that's what we have to do first. We have to reset a lot of people. And it's kind of like the first week or two. It's the no workout week. It's learning how to balance these new structures. Are we able to take change in our life? Are we willing? And can we fit it in? Where is this going to fit in our life? We've already got busy lives. right? Everybody's got to change the maybe their value systems priority systems Mm -hmm. um i before we before all Mm -hmm. that's a a normal game changer for most people so uh, once they learn to to do that and uh, yeah the pain and the dis for that approach what have you seen from people taking that approach it just doesn't work over long term you know Um, a headache is not a anodine deficiency we say all the time right so it's it's to do with dehydration compression uh, chemical imbalances um, mm-hmm. and certainly the painkiller masks the pain the pain response is still happening in the body it doesn't stop the same the pain signals happening yeah so you know we, we mask the pain receptors so great but then what are we doing are we still carrying on like we were doing before that was giving us the pain and now we can't feel it mm-hmm. and are we causing more problems um, or are we using that pain to sleep the painkiller to sleep to rejuvenate and heal and that's probably a better way to do it did we take something to Line the stomach because all painkillers have a gastric response in the gut. Anybody who's on long-term medication, we always have to work with their gut support and um, counteract some of their medications. And even they're on medications for some of the um, side effects for a lot of medications cause upset tummies and inflammation. Mm-hmm. So is it safe to say any pain in the body is, well, mostly an inflammatory response in the gut? Is There's a lot of information or talk about that? Yeah, that started about 2010. Uh, one of my colleagues, or uh, people I know, um, Paul Taylor, was involved in San Diego University as an adjunct professor there. And they were involved in the, in the response to the microbiome and the inflammatory response, where the inflammatory response starts, and it starts in the microbiome in the gut. But it can be 
started from a stress, a mental, right. emotional. So we're looking at the mechanism there. Mm-hmm. So that's not really like um, the root cause to that. There's the psychology behind that. Breathing can cause that. Um, other issues can cause that. Even nerve compressions in the neck can cause um, the vagus nerve to downregulate, which produces the microbiome. So therefore you have a leaky gut. So it's not a leaky gut. It's the vagus nerve being compressed. So you go down the wrong, you go in a hole good cleanse and everything else but it's actually the nerve compression stopping that mechanism working and then when you turn back on the vagus nerve you don't have to go through all those protocols it was just the system was turned down it's like the furnace in the house was turned off and you keep on turning on the rads but nothing's happening someone's got to start the furnace again it doesn't matter if you keep on changing out the rads or the heater system or whatever so um yeah it's very important to understand the systems of the body and how they're interlinked and that's what took me 20 years to learn yeah, so it's for our listener out there who may be suffering pain at the moment. So just to recap, do your research, maybe go back to question when or how the pain came about perhaps. Maybe kind of going back, was it injury? Did I have a late night or did I pull out the weeds the wrong way? Gardening, I know that's happened to me a lot yeah, of the cleaning, time. Cleaning does a lot, a lot of cleaning. Come in, yeah, um, they do something like cleaning a blinds or painting or helping out in the garden or. And then, I hurt my back all of a sudden. Isn't that a common kind of statement? Sure. It's just, it's all of a sudden, mm. and it's kind of like a lot of people don't understand the way they're moving. I mean, that's what I'm hired to do as a biomechanical specialist. I go in and look and analyze athletes or people and how they move around and And it's fascinating yeah well i'm fascinated by i'm a bit geeky like that but you know you really have to understand how muscles slings or the fascial lines the joints inertia the mechanics you know where the kinetic energy goes through the joint or gets locked in the joint and then you kind of put your map over the other structures and where the ligaments are and where the fascia is that goes to the the nerves or the vascular system what organs innovate that and then you can go even the higher level of that is understanding where the energy systems work in the system and then that aligns back to the main theory psychologically where there could be blocks and scar tissues and post injuries so yeah it's fascinating to to work through all those so you're really really investigating the individual in front of you yes it's not just about reacting to the root cause of the pain we have a saying you know we always look above and below where the pain is not focus on just the pain that would be like the knee right yeah, so that's a very classic one. And also the shoulder. So I'd always look at, you know, is there something driving it from the neck or from the hips or somewhere else? So in summary, if our listener is suffering from any pain, have a look at the cause, investigate what you may or may not have done the day before or did you get any sleep? How was your sleep? You know, how's your hydration? These are the simple like little things that they can look at. But if they've gone somewhere or they've done an exercise and the pain is lingering for what kind of certain time, I mean, that's going to be different to everyone and also the type of pain, they should seek a consultation with you, even just a chat. Because you can't help everyone, right? No, I can't help everyone. We like to think that we can help everyone. No, I can't. Um, So, I mean, you're... You're, you're using some terms and language there that would confuse me because of my knowledge base. So there was a question there about pain after exercise. And this reminds me when I used to be a, a, you know, a technical editor for Fitness First magazines and stuff. And people would ask me, like, how long should I stay stiffer after a workout? Like, <laughs> yes. Is that normal? Is, you know, 
and it depends on what you did and your training experience and how hard you worked and how hydrated your body was and how much nutrition and what age you are and what your genetics is like and so you know there's some factors there so doms delayed onset muscle soreness the stiffness we get from breaking down the tissue after working out is very different to an achy burning pain in ligaments joints and deep inside the body or a throbbing pain or a sharp burning pain or a stabbing pain or uh, pins and needles but if it's a press the soft tissue and it feels bruised and achy when you compress it or lie in it, that's just DOMS, the late onset muscle soreness, where the tissue is broken down and the body is rejuvenating that tissue and there's a bit of, you know, inflammation there. So pain is, is, is different. And if you have pain after, you know, you can put your finger on that you were doing something the day before that provoked it, you can say that, yeah, I was dehydrated or ate some food in a cafe or something or that didn't feel right after an hour or two and now I've, I've got some issues. Mm. That's relevant because when there's inflammation in the stomach and you eat something, it can actually shut down the muscles that stabilize the lower back. And the, most people don't make the correlation to the food or the time of the day or don't even know the transit time for certain foods. So if you eat something like meat, it could take four hours to transit to your stomach we have some fruit or some other vegetable, it may only take 40 minutes to an hour or two. So there's a different kind of timeline. So when we look at the pain chart of a client, we want to map that over their nutritional diary and see if there's any correlations to those habits. Um, other things that we would look at is what brings onset. So what type of movement? So if they flex forward and they bring that movement on, we know that, that if you do 10 of those flexions and it causes pain, like most probably a disc injury or there's other ways to test and um, definitely going to the right type of person a chiropractor an osteo someone that actually checks and works on the spine and um, a lot of gps are great at general practitioner stuff but they're not specialized in the back um, and they'll refer you on to someone like an exercise phys or someone that that studies the spine uh, you know for five years a chiro or an osteo um, other than that, there's the you know pain a- aspects of if they're not recovering properly, so sleep and stress. So if people are getting like five hours sleep or six hours sleep or interrupted sleep, we need to get that eight hours sleep. And especially if you're working out or have a physical job like a laborer or a tradesperson, you need to have at least that um, four hours of physical repair and four hours of mental repair. Any female laborers out there? <laughs> no, it could be. There is lots of mechanics. Of course, of course. <laughs> I know. Doing active jobs, male, like training horses and other people I know that are active females. Yeah, sure. So you're talking about um, referral of pain and if there's mm. that inflammation, you can shut down the response in the back. So that's uh, menstruation. Yeah. So again, like that's a, we use it um, with my clients as kind of like a report card for how the week, the month has gone. Like what were the stressors? What accumulated? And then you get symptoms as, you know, the more symptoms you get, the more work we have to do next month to see if we can reduce the symptoms because those um, imbalances are reflected in disruptions in the system which come as symptoms heat pain soreness Mm. inflammation those kind of things so is it right to say that if you have back pain you we said that your core isn't going to be functioning if there's an inflammatory response in the gut that can cause the back pain are we able to effectively work our core at that point no, well, not when there's inflammation in the gut. Because we need a strong core for a strong back, right? Well, you need a strong core to move, to stand up. And you, and Thank then, you. But, but what is the core? 
Okay, now we have to classify what that is. Okay, we've so got what, time. No, no, we don't. So um, <laughs> to name the 91 muscles that cross over the hip, for okay. example, we'd be here for a while. So they're all part of the core. It's not just the rectus abdominis or the obliques or the transverse abdominis that everybody talks about. It's all the pelvic floor muscles. It's the diaphragm. It's the whole unit. And then in the medical model, they talk about the core as the erector spinae muscles and the muscles around the spinal cord. Mm-hmm. So it depends which profession and industry you're talking to. And you use the word core, it means very different to a Pilates instructor, to a rehab specialist, or a doctor or surgeon. Awesome. I don't think I actually knew that one. All the other stuff I've heard zillions of times, and I so appreciate you coming on today. I have one more question that I've... I just want to... Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, see, I'm shutting him up already. Uh, the one point was like... Because <laughs> he can go on. You will get core... So dysfunction from many different things and if that's dysfunctional that will contribute to the stabilization of the spine but not always is the back pain due to the 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 stabilization of the spine there could be some other underlying compression or broken bone or something else that is not going to be solved by just turning the core back on again there could be some other structural issues but yes most of the challenges we have um, with any injury comes along the down regulation or there's usually a side note to that that the core or the the, sta- the core the stabilizing mechanism of the spine is not working okay thank you cool i hope that our listener got all that <laughs> you can hit record there's a lot of information and i always refer to donald as a real technician he has a passion and i'm sure you could hear it in his voice he's very passionate about his work and the human body and that's why you obviously give a 100% money-back guarantee for the clients that come to see you, right? Yeah, I, I work with clients that want to work to help themselves and improve um, their situation. Um, but I don't work with everybody. We, we have a, a little chat before we get going and see if you're able to work with me and I'm able to work with you. Um, so it's not a given. But yes, if you start working with me, I give a 100% money-back guarantee. Yeah, because you wouldn't be taking on clients that are just want the quick fix i really appreciate you coming on today thank you welcome it's been nice hanging out on the couch (laughs) like we do at home Dale and i've been running our business together for 20 20 years several businesses but we continue to do so as well but i've kind of branched on my own off on my own once i turn 50 but i do want to ask you one question that i'm um, asking the people that i have on as guest is in your idea or mind, what does a rejuvenated woman look like? I don't know. A rejuvenated woman. That sounds someone that's um, reshaped, redesigned, and re-energized their body. Thank you. That's lovely. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening in to our show. If you have any questions in anything that Donald has shared today, please feel free to write in to us and ask questions. And anything that we you commented on that provides links or anything, um, we will put in the show notes. So, yeah, well, let's have you back in. Thank you very much, Cathy, for having me on the show. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. See you.